How many of you know God's just got some ebbs and flows of what He wants to do in this camp meeting and this this conference? Um, and it all matters. It, it's all so significant, and we need everything that God's making available. I want to direct your attention tonight to the book of Haggai. Who guy? I heard a preacher call him Haggai one time, and I thought to myself, if my name was Haggai, I probably would change it. Or I'd get offended if you called me that in public. I'd probably give myself a nickname or something. But I call him Haggai. just seems more pleasant. Praise the Lord. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's called uh, one of the minor prophets, but it's the word of the Lord. It's not minimizing the book, but the word of the Lord through it is major. Two chapters of powerful prophetic information that is so relative to the hour that we live in. While you're going there, I will be in the foyer when we get done this evening with, with ministry product. If you're interested in any of the things we share, I won't be trying to preach everything I know tonight. I'll preach the everlasting gospel, not the everlasting sermon. I tell you that every time I come. I just want to kind of set you at ease that you don't freak out and think, Oh, God, will he preach all night? Uh, if I'm preaching all night, you don't want to leave. Because I am not going to, I'm not going to get up here just to hear me. Because I already know what I know, but I want to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to bring tonight into this atmosphere through His Word. So you can check those things out. A lot of um, relative uh, subject matters that potentially could greatly bless your life. Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Speak now, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now, be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so he's reminding them of previous divine promise, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more it is a little while and I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts, because the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. I want to stop there tonight for the next few moments and I want to use for a subject what the Lord was speaking to me about the day where I had a conversation about the night I would be here. And Pastor Larry contacted me and said, is there any way we can do a video promo? And you may have seen it on 
his Facebook page, and the Lord was speaking to me earlier about this text for Elevate. And the question that I want to use for a subject for the next few moments tonight, and I don't know how this is going to come out. I don't know if I'm going to spit into the sixth row. I don't know if I'm going to talk to you out of my heart. But I'm in a place where I feel comfortable if I sit down on that step right there and just talk to you. I'm grateful that you're open to that. Now, if that's not, if that's not your deal, um, don't sweat or fret because I really don't know how this is going to unfold. But I do want to use for a subject tonight the question, how do you see it now? How do you see it now? The book of Haggai takes us on a journey of what God has had to deal with so many times with His people. God provides amazing opportunity. He provides phenomenal promise, His gifts, His blessings, His availabilities, the things He wants to release into the lives of His people are exceeding abundant above or and above all that we're able to ask or think according to His power that works within us. But there's something about this nature of humanity that rather than day and night keeping the fire on the altar burning, sometimes though we are called to be children of the day, we slip into the night and we slumber and we give place to things because when you, when you kind of just go at ease, when you just kind of go numb, when you just sort of subside or you pull away, you have no idea. Nobody ever has any idea to what degree they are giving place to and access to Satan. And sin is always close when complacency begins to settle in. Hallelujah. You turned it off. On the red spot. Look at, you, look, at, look at the preacher and say, don't touch the red spot no more. Look, at, look back and say, I said, don't you be touching that red spot no more. No, no. I'm going to do my best to leave that button right there alone because I, 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 last year something like that happened too. And it, it, See, I got a microphone a little different than y'all's and, and that's where I kind of hold it, but mm, I ain't just here to challenge you to do some shifting and some changing. I, 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 I guess I need to do some shifting and some changing too. Well, 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 well. Okay, now. <laughs> Ah, now that I have forgiven myself, where complacency is, sin is already being given place to. I think sometimes we look at the byproducts of, of fruits of when sin hits the fan and life goes sour, but we don't realize it's that, it's that pulling away from God. And why would we ever pull away from Him? Because His promises are unparalleled. No one else can compare to what only God can do in your life. But sometimes we have backed off and sometimes we have shifted and sometimes we've gotten off course. And in the book of Haggai, these, these chapters, these are the, 
the things that are dealt with. Think of this, a, a command to build God's house. The focus on the people's choice to be disobedient. The coming prophetic glory on God's house. How that the people are defiled and, and need freedom. How that there's still promised blessing. And how that Zerubbabel is chosen. And so are the people of God. It began on, this word came on August the 29th in the second year of the, the reign of King Darius. For approximately three and a half to four months, this whole scenario goes down. And God is dealing with His people. The beautiful thing about God is, is He doesn't just say, I have had it. I am fed up. Here we go again. I cannot believe I'm having to do this again. But the beauty of Him is that He remembers that flesh sometimes gets distracted. But I believe that that's no excuse for us not to learn and not to leave behind some things that have become trap doors to us that have caused the bottom to fall out in our lives. And God is saying in the first chapter of the book of Haggai, He said, look, you're doing really well taking care of your houses and taking care of your lives. But you have neglected me. And you have neglected what I want done. I've always helped you, but have you noticed that your blessing level has greatly dissipated? Have you noticed that you haven't hit the mark of what you've sown for? Because, here's the thing, when we put our lives before what God wants, we're no longer living by love, we're living by lust. And we think we can win when we put ourselves first and God second. And while it might not really always make sense, and in a world of, of sensual flesh and focus on things that are, are, are scary and are not the real focus that needs to be focused on, it sounds crazy to say that you mean to tell me I got to put someone before me. I want to say to everyone in this room, don't let the devil talk you out of what happens when you put God first in your life because the real winners are those who put God first. You will never regret putting God first if you really put God first. Now, if you sit back on your testimony, right back on your fist, and sit back on your thumbs and talk about how I'm putting God first but you never do it, then you may regret a lot of things. But I'm speaking to someone, ones, persons, individuals, a group of people who are willing to say, no, I'm going to put God first first because God is not up in heaven wanting to play dangly puppet games to just beat us around sometimes to remind us how big he is and how insignificant we are. No, we are the object of his love and he only wants to elevate. He only wants to elevate. He only wants to elevate, 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 elevate. He wants to raise. But there have been a few times where he had to let things come back down to size. He wanted it here, but when you put you before God, you pull it back down to here. You say you want the, whole, the high life, but you choose low living. There's a high cost to low living, and nobody can afford it. Now, he, he speaks so powerfully, and he begins to share some things with them about how that 
The former glory was obviously amazing. He says, who's left among you that saw, verse 3, this temple in its previous glory? That can remember what it was like before the devil was given place to and sin was given place to and things that should have stood strongly now have come down. Can you remember that? And then he asked a question, how do you see it now? How do you see it now? And this is where faith comes in. I went to hold the mic right there and I thought, get your hand up, buddy. Don't you be holding that microphone there. Hallelujah. Self-correcting. I'm a growing disciple. How do you see it now? It is a prophetic question because it, you know, as much as it's important how God sees it, how do you see it? I know what you have seen. How many have ever seen God do some amazing things? How many of you have had God do some powerful things? You in this room, Facebook Live, folks. I mean, you've had God do some powerful things. You've seen him do amazing things. How many of you are grateful for those things that you saw him do? But maybe due to circumstances and situations, you have gone through some times. You have walked into some things and through some things and, and, and circumstances for various reasons. And it looks like what was once great has been leveled. What by faith are you seeing now? Because the question was a, was, a, was a question of faith. How do you see it now? I remember the day you took me into that rock school. Now look, you're talking to the guy who had been in the storefront building. You're talking about the guy who had been to the hay barn and watched how that this bunch could take nothing and do something special with it. When you have an excellent spirit, you might not have a lot of resources, but you will. You will because it's that excellent spirit and that excellent effort that's going to cause everything you need to be drawn and pulled into your life. And I remember him walking me into that gymnasium, and I used to play basketball there. We played church league basketball there. Oh, uh, longest shot I ever made in church league basketball was a half-court shot, and we were playing against Trafford, and they were breaking their foot off in our rear end, which means they were beating us really bad, being interpreted. And we couldn't, we couldn't nobody get in and get a shot, and finally in desperation, I just flung one up, and it hit the center of the backboard. Poof! It one of those poof, and just about ripped the strings off, and we lost that game 8-2. to two. They couldn't shoot worth a flip was our only saving grace. But years had gone by and the place was run down and it was a mess to say the least. And I walk into that place and you would have thought we were in the Galleria Mall the day before it opened. Back years ago. And Pastor Larry was going around and said, oh, we're going to have the children's ministry here and the platform is going to be right here. And I'm trying to get past the urine smell. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, get, I'm trying to get past all the obvious around me that looks like destruction. Everything is, that once was great is no longer anything of, of seeming value. 
and he said, we're going to have this here and student ministry will be here and this will be here and he could see it, he could see it, he could see it. But then in the natural, it looked impossible. And I, as best as I could, I looked at him with eyes of faith, faith rather. I told him today, probably a little poker-faced, but I looked at him with eyes of faith because I, I believed in him and I believed in the people of this ministry. But I thought, oh, my God, you know. And I don't ever want to be a dream killer or a faith thief because I'd rather run with some people that are willing to take some risks than the people that will sit on their do-nothing and do a whole lot of nothing and then get mad because their life ain't nothing and nothing has changed. The kingdom is not advanced. Lives are not changed. And they've sown a whole lot of nothing and reaped an abundant harvest of it. And wonder, what's, where's the Lord? Well, anyhow, he saw it then. He saw it then when you couldn't see it in the natural. And I want to say to people in this room tonight, it, it, we, look, we can see where we are looking at natural buildings. But these natural buildings are to facilitate supernatural things. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. It's not just, it's not just for, the, for the honor of what it is to be trusted with something like this, though there is something to be said of that, but it's because God has entrusted this house with great opportunity to do great things. And what God does around here at different times during the year, it is absolutely amazing. But I declare prophetically that there is a season on the brink as we get ever closer to something called, might I, might I bore you a moment, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the end time. As we move further into the end time, Jesus Christ is not a loser. The Holy Spirit is greater than Casper the Spook. Oh, Jesus Christ is greater than the Antichrist. The move of God is greater than the move of a false uh, what's the word? Progressive. See, I believe there's a kingdom progressive, but there's a spirit of false progressive in the culture. But don't you doubt it. Jesus isn't losing. The kingdom isn't going down. The kingdom isn't collapsing. The kingdom of God is on the move. And I declare, if you can see it, the greatest days of this ministry are ahead. You ought to get excited because that affects your family, that affects your life, that affects your passion, that affects your assignment because you're part of it. And if you can see it, you won't act like last year's bird nest. If you can see it, you won't act like, yeah, I see it, no big deal. You're full of something, but it ain't the Holy Ghost. Because you, you are motivated by what you see. Especially men. We're sight motivated in a lot of ways. Yeah. But we are especially, mankind is sight motivated in kingdom ways. How do you see it now? Because things had not fully moved to where they were going to yet in the moment of that question. They were in the middle of process of recovery and moving to a new level. But it was important how you see it by faith. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. You cannot shortcut nor bypass the faith steps. God will not allow it. There's not an anointing that will take away the requirement of faith and moves and trusting and efforts 
and pressing. It was February of 1987. I was in a church in North Alabama. I'd been praying for God to give us a move. I was full-time evangelist, had, had been now at that point for about a year. Praying, little church of precious people, but it was, it was just, it was burned over. They were, they were, they were, they were hardened. They'd had so many preachers come through and stay a year or two and talk about how they had a vision. And it's pretty, pretty apparent that they didn't much believe what preachers said. But there were some people there that loved God. And just a handful, but they were there. They might not have worshipped the way I wish they would, but they were there. They might not have known what to do with me looking at me like I was from, you know, a foreign planet somewhere. But, but they were there. And they still loved the church, but they just had a lot of questions. And they had a lot of things in their mind that they didn't understand. And the times around them didn't seem to line up with this vision talk that they'd heard from other people. How many of you, let's just stop right here. We're about to give God some glory. But before you do, is anybody grateful? And I don't know what the future holds, but is anybody grateful that the team that the vision was born in is still here pursuing the vision? And passing it on in legacy fashion. It was it was tough start and and uh, great evangelists had, from the denomination I was raised in had been there and nothing just nothing just hardly anything happened couldn't hardly get anybody to come very little interest finally on Thursday night after spending a whole lot of carpet time that week just laying on my face because I realized Lord there's not enough talent to fix this it, no matter how you know how much good singing there is or whatever. There was no drama teams like this. So <laughs> I'm not so sure some people wouldn't have thought y'all was demon-possessed in that, at that church at that point. You wouldn't have been, but, you know, it was just a different thing. Sometimes people think that difference is always devil. But that's not certainly always the case. Sometimes difference is very much God. It's just a different level. And But but it, it was it was Thursday night, and... I'd been seeking the Lord all week, and finally, we finally get some semblance of a crowd. Now, what you've got to understand, it's not always about the amount of people that come. But as far as I'm concerned, the more noses and the more people in the building, the more opportunities there. So there's no need to talk stupid. Both matter. You want spiritual development, but you also want, you know, you want people. Because God's all about people. I had no idea that while I was standing on the platform singing a song and worshiping what was about to happen because into the church walks a young lady. She bursts through the double doors. Gunshot fires. A bullet misses her and then ricochets and almost hits me. It's like... Have you ever, ever heard someone say in a traumatic situation, it's like everything just sort of just slows down to just slow motion? Well, it seemed like for just a few moments the whole world slowed down. And it's almost like the world stopped turning. Right in the main aisle of that church, that young man shot that young lady three times. 
in the main aisle of that church. Through a supernatural act of events, there were some individuals who were able to get the guy and, and subdue him and get things under control. And That young lady, there had been one saved in that revival and seven baptized in the Holy Spirit. She is the one who had given her life to Jesus and one of those who had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I remember with all the things going on that night, uh, I rushed to the hospital and I'm standing in that room with her and she's looking up to me, just a, just a young lady. I, she might have even, she was either still a teenager or just barely into her 20s. I can't recall that exactly. But she's looking at me saying, Brother Chris, please don't let me die. Brother Chris, please don't let me die. Please don't let me die. And I remember looking at her, trying to process everything that was going on. And sometimes in the midst of things in life, things happen that it seems like everything spins out of control. And it looks like everything that was about to, to move up has suddenly been so limited and so squashed and so hindered. We, we prayed and, and God did touch her. And she did come forth from that. But that night I went, in the middle of the night, I drove to my brother Stanley's home. I sat down in his living room. It's about 4 o'clock in the morning. I said, Stan, I'm ruined. I let that happen. I don't know how I let that happen. I don't know how I give place to that. And he looked at me and said, what are you talking about? I said, man, I've been praying all week for a crowd, for some people to come, some new blood to come to help give that church some energy and some life and for new souls and change to come. And then we finally get a few people outside of the norm coming and this happens. And Stan looked at me and he started laughing. Not uncontrollably, but he started chuckling laughing. It wasn't because of what had happened because he's not morbid and he's not a, he's not a nut like that. But he was laughing, he, he said, I looked at him and he said, I know you wonder why I'm laughing right now, but he said, I know what the devil's up to. And he said, Chris, the devil wants you to believe it's over. He said, but buddy, it has just begun. God, whoo, hallelujah to the Lamb. God is going to take this and he's going to take what the devil has done for evil and he's going to make something good out of it and something valuable out of it. Something is going to happen in you that's going to make things better. Well, at that moment, I heard that and it helped me a little, but I was still dealing with the emotions of it. Have you ever heard a word from God but you still felt kind of yucky in your belly? Huh? Well, so... That revival had to be closed out. They're doing investigation and all that kind of stuff and all the things that go with it. By the way, that young lady is a grown woman, loving Jesus, faithful in church, pursuing God. We give God praise for that. What about the guy? No comment. No comment. Well, I'll, I'll, just, I'll save my comments on that. And so, I had a week's break, and I was asked to go to come and preach a revival in Grenada, Mississippi. And I'd been through the city, but I had never, never spent any time there. Just, just went there for a meeting and, and left. Preached around it, but didn't know nothing about it. 
that morning I, I began to just feel a stir on the inside of me early in the morning. People that know me know I do crazy things. I get up like 2 o'clock in the morning and I drive five hours to start a revival on that morning. I've done that for years. Or I, I'll get in the vehicle and drive all night home and, and just, just stay awake, praise the Lord. And just, yeah, I don't know why I do that kind of thing, but I do. But that early, early in the morning, I remember riding on my way to Grenada and I began to feel the spirit of faith stir on the inside of me. I said, Lord, I know you love me, but I've got to have your help. My confidence is pretty low right now, Lord. I need you, I need you to help me. I'm, I'm going to ask you for something crazy. So I asked him for something that I never had before. I'd never asked God for an amount of souls to be saved before because I didn't want to put any limits on him. So I threw something wild out there. I didn't know nothing about that church. Didn't know what size it was. Didn't know all, I didn't know what kind of spiritual climate it was in, if it was even ready for a harvest of souls. I said, Lord, but I'm believing you for at least 100 souls to be saved in this church. And I'm believing you for that, for, for many to be baptized in the Holy Ghost as well. That Sunday morning, I stepped into an element of which I was, it, it was greater than what I expected. And when I preached that morning, that morning souls were saved. That evening, souls were saved. That Monday night, souls were saved. That Tuesday night, I was preaching from John chapter 2. All of this is relative to my message. Stay with me. If you're easily distracted, you're going to miss some stuff here. It's your neighbor and say, don't make me pinch a plug out of you. You better stay with this preacher. <laughs> well, does he mean that? I don't know, do I? <laughs> and so uh, I'm preaching from John chapter 2 where Mary, the mother of Jesus, says whatever he says to you, talking about Jesus, do it. And I get to that point. And I really am thundering some things under a divine unction from God, not knowing that I'm preaching in a church that while we have had people saved in the previous three services, there's about to split right down the middle. I did not know that one side was trying to hold on to a certain way of doing things and another side of the church was endeavoring to change everything and leave it all behind and there was this clash. There was this clash and this split about to happen. I had no idea. No one had said anything to me about that, which was really cool. So I could really flow because I didn't know anything, and the God who knows all things was on the move. Yeah. Woo! And so uh, while I'm preaching that, people start getting up out of their chairs, walking across the building, sitting down in pews beside people, Probably mm, maybe 150 people in there. I think the church ran on Sundays or in the 90s, something like that. But there was about 150 people there that night because, you know, people were coming from various areas and, and, and people were coming back to church that had been out for whatever reason. And they were going and sitting down beside one another. And I remember thinking to myself, well, these people are bad, disrespectful. What is the deal? I like the Holy Ghost saying, just shut up, mind your own business. Just preach, son. Just preach. Just quit worrying about what's going on there and just preach. We see, most of the time when you're the leader, you have to be aware of what's going on to make sure you keep order. But there is an order that goes beyond what we even know how to fix or consider. Because what I didn't realize what they were doing, they were sitting down beside one another and they were saying, look, I have talked about you. I have ridiculed you. I've said everything but good about you and I have fought you and 
I've been against you, but I want you to forgive me. God has convicted my heart. This has got to change. And things totally transformed. They start, I mean, all through the house, they were just getting up, going all over the place like popcorn. You're talking about a move of God. You're talking about something extraordinary. I mean, the the the, the thing with the problem, the next the problem from there on for the next five weeks was you better get there early or you will not get a seat. They tell me they were talking about the revival in the clubs. They were, you know, we were having we were having alcoholics delivered, homosexuals delivered. Good old here's the big one. Good old boys and good old gals who don't think they got no issues coming to Christ. People coming to Jesus from all different types of issue and struggle and situations in life. And the Lord made it so clear to me. Do you see why your brother was laughing? Do you see now what I was trying to show you that night? I want to say to you, Solid Rock, 24 years of great blessing, 24 years of great favor, even when you've been betrayed, even when you've gone through hard times, even when you face some difficulties, even when you've gone through storms, your way maker has always been there with you my question tonight is how do you see it now do you believe that the best is yet to come because it matters what you believe if you don't believe it you might see people around you walking into it but you miss it you have an ability to make a choice you have an opportunity to make a decision a conscious decision how do you see it now when you look through more than glass Will you look through eyes of faith? Can you give God praise tonight if you choose to see what God says? Hallelujah. How do you see it now? Be strong. Oh, you bubbas. Well, ain't nobody probably here named Zerubbabel, but there might be a Bubba. This is Alabama. We got Bubbas in Alabama, too. I know we got them in Mississippi. Be strong, Bubbas. And be strong, Josh. Be strong, high priest. God, we don't need weak leaders. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. All you people of the land, be strong, people of God. Quit sitting around waiting on somebody else's anointing to be adequate for you. There is an anointing that rests upon a people. There is something special on this house. I leaned over and I I, I got in the ear of your your pastors. Well, one of your pastors, co-pastor, Pastor Sandy. And I said, there's something special about the anointing on you too. But I was incomplete. There's a special anointing on this house. And when your visionary stood right here tonight saying what he was saying about, sometimes we take this for granted. He wasn't raking you over the coals. He was reminding you of how blessed you are. Don't let your roller coaster emotional opportunities rob you from seeing what God wants you to see. And when you see it, you got to be willing to move on it and go for it. Shout yes! Shout yes! I'm going to come back there and just scream yes at some of y'all. Everybody shout yes! Ooh, that's better. That was solid ruckus right there, baby. Mm, that was ruckus. Be strong.
says the Lord, for I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you when the lightning flashes and the thunder rolls. I'm with you when it looks easy and when it seems so hard. What are we going to do? I'm with you when it seems so possible. And I'm with you when it seems impossible. And not only am I with you, not only am I among you, my spirit is among you. Do not fear. Don't do it. Don't fear. Why? Because when he says be strong, he's saying strap me on. Come on, somebody. When he's saying be strong, he's saying strap me on. Hallelujah. How many of you want God to put you on like he put on Gideon? Mighty man of valor. Didn't look much like a mighty man of valor for a while, but he was a human battling discouragement and fear. But when God comes along and says be strong, be strong, be strong, be strong, be strong, be strong. You want to know why? Because strength is there. Help is there. Ableness is there. Ability is there. Grace is there. Power is there. It's already there. We're just waiting on God to knock us over with it. He wants to remind us it's already there. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I think God would want us to know far more than you need to be worried about your enemies. Be concerned about me. I believe God would want this 2018 model church to know way more than you fear the devil or something stupid in the world. You ought to be fearing God. When I say godly fear, I mean reverence, awe, and respect. I mean value. I mean the one who's able to let this be your final day on the planet. I mean the one who's able to say, okay, I let breath come into you. I'm going to take it back today. We need to fear because when we fear him in a reverent way, we don't have to be afraid of any other thing in life. Can you give God praise? I'm... I'm starting to wind down. Thus says the Lord of hosts once more. It is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations. They shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory. Some of the things God's going to do in the kingdom in this hour is as a result of him shaking things loose from wrong strongholds, putting it into the hands of the kingdom to make an effect with it. Here's the deal. I don't know how all that's going to be transferred, but if we don't see it now, we ain't going to have it then. If we don't see it now, we won't have it then. Well, you know... I'm just, I'm just real. I'm going to reel you all right. I'm going to reel you. I'm just real. You know, I'm just real. I just got to, you know, when I see it, I'll believe it. This ain't your kingdom. In his kingdom, you see it when you can't see it. But your faith sees it and you believe There's so many faith people in this room. I'm looking at some people that your whole life is built on faith. Your trust in God, your walk with God. You know, and, it's, and here's the thing, you still love to hear it because you know how far it's brought you. 
How that faith in God has moved your mighty mountains and faith in God has given you confidence and faith in God has broke the back of poverty off of your life and faith of God put your home back together that was all but destroyed. Faith in God healed your marriage. Faith in God delivered your teenager from drugs. Shout in this place, somebody. Faith in God. Not faith in faith or faith in people or faith in earthly systems, but faith in God. How do you see it now? I'm here. I think I will, buddy. Thank you for agging me on. Ag me on all you want to. I'm here. That old preacher singing. Oh, the best is yet to come when I enter heaven's gates. All oh, the first time I see Jesus, Lord, I can hardly wait. He'll show me to my mansion and say, This is your home. Got a feeling way down deep in my heart. The best is yet to come. Let me dial back right there. But before that trumpet blast, and before we're called away, and before we leave this planet, I believe I can see it now. The greatest things we've ever seen God do in the history of our walk with Him because we're looking, we're anticipating, we're embracing. We're positioning ourselves, yearning. We're not waiting on someone else to tell us if we can or not. We see what God says. Yes. I love you, Jesus. What do you do when you got a whole lot more? But you, you got other things to do too. I mean, you got to be the disciplined preacher that doesn't just preach to everyone who's already moving on this and agrees with it. How about that person who's crossways and sideways? Because and, honestly, this is, you're a whole lot of what this is about tonight. It's not just here to bless and reaffirm those who are already moving in this direction, though it is certainly that. It is certainly that. But it's also to let you know that have been deflating. This is not deflation conference. This is not a slumber party. This is elevation conference. This is time. Time to climb. Time to arise. Time to shine. 2007. On the Shemalia border. 2007, I was in Seoul, Korea. A place called Prayer Mountain. With the great pastor Bob Rogers of Evangel World Prayer Center out of Louisville, Kentucky. He had preached in a conference, a World Church Growth Conference for Dr. David Youngie Cho at that time. Pastor of the world's largest local church. And God had put me in a position and given me favor to be around the world's largest local church pastors around the world in a room with them and be able to spend quality time around them and just listen to them talk. And, you know, this is, this is going to mean something to somebody and it won't mean something to others. But, you know, sometimes you just got to throw some stuff out there that means something to hungry people. I heard guys talking about their, con their conversation was about how to touch continents. 
not just how to get somebody else to work in the nursery. See, if we saw it better, we'd see all ministry differently. If we, if we saw, if we would see clearly where God wants to take us, we would realize that every place is a, is a place of opportunity to serve. It's a place of proving ground. It's a place of honorable passing through and making full proof of your heart and your ministry. Because God doesn't need any more religious prostitutes. He needs some sons and some daughters that act like they're not orphans. I may be grateful that you know you're a son, you know you're a daughter, you got a father and he's loaded <laughs> and he's awesome and he's good, 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 good. He's amazing. So I'm, I'm at this place called Prayer Mountain. A lot of things I'd love to tell you about that trip, but out of time. Um, they would, would, in this mountain that they had set it up for just people coming to pray and seek God, they would teach their kids to pray a couple of hours a day, their children. Amazing. One of the things I love about Asians, every church ought to have a bunch of godly Asians because they're so disciplined. American church could have way more than a bunch, so we could stand a bunch of them because they're so disciplined. We could learn a lot probably. Don't shout me down. And uh, they had little small like closet rooms that you would go in. There's a door, a little lamp, a little altar, and just a place to sit or kneel. Not a whole lot of room. And I started praying, and there were people praying. I don't know. There were at least hundreds on that mountain that day. And people were crying out to God, but I kind of got lost for a while. And I was just crying out to God and seeking Him and seeking Him. And I had like about an hour or so before that, that bus left. By the way, in Korea, when they say they're leaving at 1230, you better have your hind end on that bus. <laughs> Grasshopper. Or your hind end's left behind. <laughs> Nothing personal. And by the way, I don't think uh, David Carradine was Korean, but that's beside the point. Grasshopper, Kung Fu. Anyhow, whatever. You're letting you in on my goofy one-liner. Just giving you the interpretation. Uh, I'd been praying probably, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes. Spirit of God, so rich and so real. And the Lord said, listen, listen, listen. And I, I got quiet. And I heard people praying in different languages. I heard what, you know, I've been to different parts of the world, so I heard someone praying in what sounded like Russian. It sounded very much like the Russian language. I heard someone praying in Spanish. heard that many times. It sounded like I heard someone praying in French. I didn't hear anybody praying in English, but I heard a lot of different people praying in tongues. And that's an amazing thing that no matter where you come from, when you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, you know the sound. You hear the joyful sound and you know 
And I remember saying, I looked at my watch, I thought, God, i got to go because these people will leave me and I don't know how to get back and I don't speak good Korean at all. I don't speak any Korean at all to amount to anything. So I've got to follow the rules, but I want to stay. And I remember saying, Lord, what would you please, would you please move in Grenada, Mississippi and in my revivals in America like your move here? And I heard the Holy Spirit speak so clearly out loud on the inside of me. And he said, when my people there hunger for me like these people. He wasn't saying all of Korea, but he was speaking about specified people. Like these people hunger for me. There will be no absence of my presence. Because I'm longing for that. And I staggered, weeping and sobbing back down that hill. That I was at the lower part. Back up the hill to that bus. Never to be the same again. And what the Lord spoke to me to say tonight as I close this message. How do you see it now? With the next season of your life. Pertaining to your life, are you ready and open for what God's longing to do within you and with your life? Now, are you hungry for a feast of fire that the worship team prophetically challenged us on behalf of tonight? And there's so much, so much, much, much more available this evening in the presence of the Lord. And this is the reason why the Holy Spirit has so shifted this service and moved us in this direction tonight. Seems like every time I come to an elevator, I don't ever get to do anything normal. I always kind of get pulled into something. But if you know, I guess if we don't really mean that, we shouldn't pray for it. But I'm asking, Lord, have your way, have your way, have your way. And when he has his way, it's amazing how opposite it often is of ours, isn't it? But it isn't it beautiful, it's how what we need. How do you see it now? How do you how do you see it now? Through the through the filter of what God has shown you tonight, how do you see it now? Through through choosing to make a conscious decision of, Lord, I couple myself with you. I link up with you. I'm in agreement with you. Lord, thank you that you've touched my eyes tonight. And you've cleared the blur. You've anointed my eyes with heaven's eyes, have, And I see things in a fresh and a different way. Thank you, Lord, for touching me. That's why moments like this are so important. That's why we can't afford to quit having conferences like this. We can't worry about the people who miss it. We, just, we need to be grateful that we're the ones who decided to partake and to tap into this because we'll be the wind up being the ones that help deliver the others.